Session 41, part one. Let's get inside our sun and around its creation. Let's begin. This session has a lot of mixed information from the sun that we're going to get into and the logos, of course, going to the creation and some small details about second density. We have fasting at the end of the session and also some information about our societal complex. So in this first part, we're going to explore just the sun, which is about half of the session. and everything that has to do with the creation and densities that we have been talking about. So it gives us a little bit more information to um, contribute to the model that we have in the law of one and some information about consciousness that I think is, is important that Ross seems to emphasize a lot. So at the beginning of this session, I skipped the first three questions because these are personal stuff. I mean, when I say personal, it sounds like I'm, you know, it's their personal stuff. It's just that it wasn't relevant to the overall law of one content. And uh, just to skip information, you can go read it if you want, you know, in the, the books if you have them, or the law of one.info, where the first three questions are uh, they're really about Don was asking if they had to move to a different location. I think he said around a thousand miles from the place if that was going to affect the contact. And Ra simply said, you know, it doesn't because we're on, we're in the creation anyway. <laughs> like we're not here, you know, in Kentucky, we're everywhere. So uh, it's not gonna affect it. And also gave some instructions about how to prepare the place, which I actually think is interesting the way uh, Ra didn't say specific, but it gives us that impression that we all know that once we move to a place, we want to create that, uh, energy into the space that we want and uh, Julie for example she's really good at uh, decorating and making the place really mellow and comfortable everywhere we go she makes uh, a really good environment and you know everybody has their own touch and their own taste you can see how uh, you know how I am this is my space <laughs> so everybody gives a little touch you know and that makes you feel that you are, you know, in a place that is sacred to you or that is comfortable, that is it's nice. So that's the only takeaway that I can get from that. Uh, Rod did mention, you know, paint any walls that you feel that are marred or uh, M-A-R-R-E-D, like tainted or something like that. So um, I don't know, I guess that's, that's just common sense for us. We want to make the place comfortable. And I think the other questions are just about... Let me see, because I have them here. Um, yeah, you know, the banishing ritual, which is something that I'm not familiar that familiar with, but it's a it's a ritual where you draw a pentagram and you say a couple of uh, chanting words and you move around. And I, I don't know if they used to do that at the beginning of each session. I believe they did. So that was part of it. Ross says yes. And then, um, yeah, just Don confirming, you know, if the move was fine, you know, and all that stuff. So I skipped all that. And since we have a long session today and I want to cover as much as possible, which I think I'm going to stop in question 13. We'll see. Um, and yeah, we can go straight into first question. So this is question number four uh, of session 41. Like I said, Don says, in trying to build an understanding from the start, you might say, starting with intelligent infinity and getting to our present condition of being, I'm having some difficulty, but I think I should go back and investigate our sun since it is the sublogos that creates all that we experience in this particular planetary system. Will you give me a description of the sun, of our sun? Before I start, um, Ra's gonna go and describe the sun, but I wanna emphasize something that uh, the question is, can you give us a description of the sun? You know, and it's important to know what Don is saying beforehand because that's going to determine the response that Ra is going to give or at least the direction in terms of description. Not that I expected any less from Ra 
um, but you know how thorough they are you know in terms of explaining this but see the point of view from Don in this question is that you know he wants to understand like he wants to take a step back I think he says so yeah I should go back and investigate our Sun since it is the sublogos that creates all that we experience in this particular planetary system so he wants to take a step back go to the Sun because that's the sublogos remember the logos being the galactic logos so the sublogos is creating everything so he wants to know more about the Sun what does the Sun do <clears throat> and we're gonna get some really good insights so Ra is going to explain what the Sun is in various uh, aspects so Ra starts and says this is a query which is not easily answered in your language for the Sun has various aspects in relation to intelligent infinity to intelligent energy and to each density of each planet as you call these spheres Moreover, these differences extend into the metaphysical or time-space part of your creation. So, that's a, that's a paragraph. And then the next one says, In relationship to intelligent infinity, the sun body is equally with all parts of the infinite creation. Part of that infinity. So, this is the, the context in which they're going to explain. They're going to say, uh, first they say that it's difficult or it's not easily answered. I think we get a good answer here, so there's not much, you know, uh, hidden, enigmatic, you know, mysterious or impossible to explain as sometimes it is, and I understand. But here I think they, they make a good job, you know, to give us at least, you know, uh, the premise of how this works. But enough for us to satisfy our curiosity and, you know, that itch to know how this works. So, see how they say um, they have a relation to intelligent infinity intelligent energy to each density uh, density of each planet and also the difference uh, extend into the metaphysical so they're going to talk about those four um, in the answer and the first one is that they say in relationship to intelligent infinity the Sun body is equally with all parts of the infinite creation part of that infinity so in essence they're saying listen the Sun is the same as the galactic logos or the grand central Sun or everything else in the galaxy. You know, it's intelli intelligent infinity. It's one, it's not different, it's the same, it's just a step down from the creation process, not a step down in terms of hierarchy of superiority or more, more or less kind of thing. It's just a hologram or a fractalized portion of the creation, just like a photon. Um, different photons exist everywhere, but photons are you know holograms of each other so um, so that's what they say basically you know in terms of intelligent infinity it is one and the same with it so with all parts of the creation so in part of that infinity so <laughs> I mean that's to us that's a little obvious that everything is infinity but they're making that distinction there so I don't blame them Ra continues and says, in relationship to potentiated intelligent infinity, which makes use of intelligent energy, it is the offspring, shall we say, of the Logos for a much larger number of sublogoi. That is, the galaxy and the sublogoi would be every star in the galaxy. The relationship is hierarchical in that the sublogos uses the intelligent energy in ways set forth by the Logos and uses its free will to co-create the, shall we say, full nuances of your densities as you experience them. In relationship to the densities, the sun body may physically, as you would say, be seen to be a large body of gaseous elements undergoing the processes of fusion and radiating heat and light. Okay, so now we have the other two or three. In relation to potentiated intelligent infinity, potentiated intelligent infinity is that, uh, the word says this, is the potential that intelligent infinity um, allows or not allows as it is a restriction but the potential that intelligent infinity can give to uh, to the logos it's that exchange between intelligent infinity and the logos here it's a represent the logos is a representation of intelligent infinity just for practical purposes not again it's not an order uh, per se but it's just just how it is um, it's a representation of intelligent infinity in the physical universe or in the creation the creation is everything 
in uh, in the universe. The creation is just everything. It's not intelligent infinity. Intelligent infinity is um, it's impossible to describe, but intelligent infinity creates this universe. So that everything else is just a manifestation of intelligent infinity and uh, representations of it. So that's what uh, what they're saying. You know, in terms of the potentiated intelligent infinity, which makes use of intelligent energy. See. Because of the uh, um, the potentiated intelligent infinity makes use of intelligent energy. Um, it is it's that that exchange between intelligent infinity and the sun or the logos to use intelligent energy for the creation and uh, for the sub creations as it is our our planetary system. So the logos for a much larger okay so that is the galaxy. The logos when they say the logos for a much larger number of sub logoi, meaning the galaxy. Um, gives that and I explained this in a video if you haven't uh, go watch it because I, I I talked about the creation from a model that I have in my mind and you know this is how I explain it too how it goes you know from from the Grand Central Sun to the, to the galaxies logo and then um, to to the sub logoi which is the uh, the Sun the stars every star in the galaxy and so on so that's what they're saying you know it is the offspring of um of the logos in this case the galaxy so the galaxy is the same you know it's just it's a big sun with other instead of planets it has stars <laughs> so it's the same thing the relationship is hierarchical in that the sub logos uses the intelligent energy in ways set forth by the logos so um it's hierarchical again not in terms of position in you know strata but uh, rather in the um, in in its relationships to how the archetypes are managed, the archetypes are created by the Grand Central Sun, and then are um, tinker with and change, and um, I don't want to say the word manipulated. <laughs> in our philosophy, it's it sounds like uh, the negative, but you know what I mean. It, it gets played with to create a different archetype. Or archetypal structure and handle to each star so that's what they mean by hierarchical that the sub logos uses the intelligent energy in ways that basically the galaxy said you know this is how we're gonna do the creation here in this galaxy and then the stars take this and say okay this is how I'm going to use it for this planetary system that's pretty straightforward uh, uses its free will, of course, to co-create the full nuances of your densities as you experience them. Right. So it creates the octave, basically, and says, okay, I want to play with these rules or these archetypes in a way that I can create this octave of experience. So that's, that's another um, way to describe the sun. Then, in relationship to the densities, the sun body may physically, as you would say, be seen to be a large body of gaseous elements undergoing the processes of fusion and radiating heat and light. This sounds to me like how we see it scientifically, what kind of uh, body it is in physically. It's a body that is there and that we, um, and, and they say in all densities, I think, in relationship to the density. So they don't, they don't mention, you know, first, the third, where, you know, we're kind of stuck more in our perception in the physical rather than the metaphysical. So, you know, they say in all um, in all densities, it is still a place. It's still a body in which not a place, but a body that exists there. And that makes sense, you know, as we we understand what the sun is, uh, which we're we're going to explore, of course, you know, in this session, at least in this part. So, yeah, it's just gaseous elements undergoing the process of fusion and radiating heat and light, which is the process of the physical sun. And it also has some metaphysical uh, implications here, but we're going to get into metaphysical now as the next part of Ra's answer. And they say, metaphysically, the sun achieves a meaning to fourth through seven density, according to the growing abilities of entities in these densities to grasp the living creation and co-entity or other self nature of this sun body. Thus, by the sixth density, the sun may be visited and inhabited by those dwelling in time space and may even be partially created from moment to moment by the processes of sixth density entities in their evolution. So 
we have here really cool stuff about what the sun is metaphysically. So remember, metaphysically is time space. And um, this is how we can use the sun. There's a couple of things that I can take from here. The first one, they say, um, they mention fourth through seven, because that's where in time space you have the uh, possibility of communicating better with the sun. I know Ra mentioned this. I don't know if they said it in this session or in another session, but there is an interaction with the sun um, that uh, from four through six, as you progress in densities, you have a, a better understanding of the sun. And that is uh, an information exchange that you can have with it or a relationship, let's call it, with the sun. So that's where they saying, you know, from four, through seven, according to the growing abilities of the entities uh, in these densities, to grasp the living creation and co-entity or other self-nature of this sun body. So, see, these words are, are really cool because they say first, the abilities of entities in the densities to grasp the living creation as they get closer to the sun, which is the, uh, the source of our creation, it is the representation of intelligent infinity here. As we get closer, we get a higher understanding of how the sun works and how the creation works in terms of the living creation, like they say, and co-entity, because we are co-entities with the sun or other self, because the sun is another self too, or this can even be applied to me and you or to Ra and other social memory complexes or Jupiter or... I don't know, an asteroid in the asteroid belt, whatever. Other self is everything. Um, nature of the sun body, okay. So we get, we get closer to that. Now, the other cool part is that they say, by sixth density, the sun may be visited and inhabited by those dwelling in time space and may even be partially created from moment to moment by the processes of sixth density entities in their evolution. So we're gonna, we're gonna get into uh, more information about this soon. But uh, first, in sixth density, the sun may be visited and inhabited by those dwelling in time space. So there is time space and space time in sixth density. Those in time space can go and live there as they are discarnate, I guess. They're not incarnated, which is a very subtle distinction in sixth density, as Kuo mentioned in one of the channelings. I believe this was 2016. Uh, there's a very small distinction. as. As we get closer to seven density, the difference between space-time and time-space becomes thinner. Um, so you're almost like one and the same in um, in space-time and time-space as you're incarnate. Uh, this happens also in four density. There's a very cool channeling by Kuo where they say how um, how our relationship for us, like meditating or sleeping. You know, it's that deep connection that we need with metaphysical, uh, we're time with time space, that metaphysical side of us. In four density, meditating is almost like constant, like you're living in a meditative state. In fifth density, is um, it's almost I forgot what they said, but it's it's like you don't require to. It's almost like a switch. You know, you really go into that deep meditation. I think they say it's like a lucid dream that you are living the creation in that way. That much of you is within the creation to, um, to shape it in the way that you want because it's all perception and consciousness. And in sixth density, it's um, the work is so similar that I think Kuo says that it's almost like a taking a break from work, that meditating there or sleeping, which is the same thing, um, you, it's like a take, taking a break from work. And they even say that some of our monks, they don't say monks, but some of our um, our disciplines here, or people that follow disciplines here, they can meditate to a point where they don't, they don't really need to sleep. And that's because they are so in tune with, with the metaphysical nature of reality that sleeping is doing the same thing. That's why we need, you know, a lot of sleep and all that stuff. And some people even say that you don't need that much sleep if you're so in tune, you know, with uh, with your metaphysical side. I don't know how true that is, but it kind of makes sense. So in any case, I'm digressing here. The point is that in sixth density, we're so close to that. In time space, remember, they don't say space time. They say in time space that you can go live there in the sun. So 
basically six density beings in time space are living in the sun and they say that partially they can create from moment to moment by the process of six density entities in the revolution which we're going to get into um that would be the next question and let's go to it Don says, question five, in your last statement, did you mean that the six density entities are actually creating the manifestation of the sun in their density? Could you explain what you meant by that? It's a really good follow-up question. I love it. So Ross says, in this density, some entities whose means of reproduction is fusion may choose to perform this portion of experience as part of the beingness of the sun body. Thus, you may think of portions of the light that you receive as offspring of the generative expression of six density love so <laughs> how it doesn't get more beautiful than this come on really like the sun is out right now that's the light that i'm getting in at this moment um the sun is inhabited by the six density beings and <laughs> i just love it you know the means of reproduction in six density for uh, for the entities there is fusion whose means of reproduction is fusion. I don't know if there are different means of reproduction, but one of them seems to be fusion. They may choose to perform this portion of experience as part of the beingness of the sun body. So they have to have a very similar um, reaction or relationship with the sun so that the processes that are happening in consciousness in the sun actually, uh, this is not just a physical you know, hydrogen uh, fusion that is happening where helium is created and light is uh, it's uh, light and energy is although it's part of the process of course i would say is a byproduct of the love of love fusion that happens in the sun you know all that sex all the the the, the solar orgy that is happening there um you know it's a, that's a byproduct you know it's um you, you can see it as the offspring i think that's awesome how they say thus you may think of portions of the light that you receive as offspring of the generative expression of sixth density love. I mean, imagine that. Like this, this is a great way to uh, to tell your your boyfriend, your uh, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, or your partner, whatever. You know, let's make sixth density love. Let's let's uh, let's expand our consciousness. I might even make a meme of that. <laughs> let's expand our consciousness so much that we can do sixth density love in the sun. Come on, that should be like a card too, you know, <laughs> a card, you know, for a uh, happy anniversary or something like that. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, that's what they mean. You know, it's uh, portions of the light that we receive. So next time you are uh, taking some some sunlight, just think about that. You know, you're getting the offspring. This is, this is um, children of the sun that are coming through this uh, through these photons and into our body and all the the spectrum of light that we receive so it's just beautiful so let's go into the next question orgasmic so don says then could you say that six density entities are using the mechanism that mechanism to be more closely co-creators with the infinite creator Ra says, this is precisely correct as seen in the latter portions of six density, seeking the experiences of the gateway density. So uh, you can see how, again, you know, going back to the explanation that I gave, that I gave about how we, we get closer and closer to the creation as we move in densities. And at this point where they say, or Don is asking, of course, you know, if this um, this, they're using this mechanism to become more closer to the creator in this way. I think that's what Don said. Am I putting words in his mouth? Co-creators with the infinite creator. Yeah, to be more closely, you know, basically be closer to the create to the creator. And um, yeah, so Raj says in different words, this is precisely correct, as seen in the latter portion of sixth density, which is seeking the gateway to intelligent infinity, which is seven density. And that's what they say, seeking the experiences of the gateway density, which is seven density. And yeah, there's not much to say there. All right, so Don says in the next one, thank you. What I want to do now is investigate, as the first density is formed, what happens and how energy centers are first formed in beings. Let me first ask you, 
Does it make any sense to ask you if the sun itself has a density, or is it all densities? It's a good question. Ra says the sublogos is of the entire octave and is not that entity which experiences the learning teachings of entities such as yourselves. So again, uh, the sublogos is the entire is of the entire octave, meaning that the sun is the whole creation, and its only difference is in the archetypal structure that it decided for this creation to be unique in. Uh, the universe or this universe be unique in the creation words words are already kind of difficult when we're talking about holographic expressions of the same um, creation or the same creator you know so uh, that's why it becomes kind of meaningless to use words to describe the creation and its multiplicity or infinite uh, multiplicity so in any case what Ra is saying is that the sublogos is of the entire octave and it's not that entity which experiences the learned teachings like ourselves. We are the entities. In the video that I mentioned, go watch it again uh, if you're interested in this stuff. Because I went uh, for almost 40 minutes talking about the creation the way I see it. And overlapping it with um, science, uh, astrophysics, and just science in general. Conventional science that knows the Big Bang and so on. So... Um, what did I say? I mentioned that, um, that you see, from the Grand Seltzer Sun, we don't have entities experiencing per se. That comes in the octave of experience when we have the densities, because the densities are created for experiences to happen, where we have the veil and we have a progression and all that stuff for uh, separate portions of, say, the Creator. But you can see the step-down process to make a creation in the universe this way. The Grand Central Sun infinitely divides itself into galaxies. These galaxies possess the intelligence of the Grand Central Sun, which is the major logos. I forgot what Ra mentions it. They, they call it a logos. But again, words are hard to describe this, but let's just call it the main logos, the boss. <laughs> the boss logos. These archetypes are spread out across the same archetypes, again, uh, across the galaxies, and the galaxies, they, each of them play with them and say, okay, I'm gonna move it this way, like a uh, Rubik's Cube, I think it's called. The, um, you, you move it in different ways and you create different archetypes and say, the same archetypes move in different ways and say, okay, this is gonna be my, my creation and all the stars are gonna have this but with free will, of course, to modify them. Each sun will do the same, and then the octave is created. The octave is created in each star. So then we have, okay, the planes of existence. These are the planes of existence where intelligent energy will form and make uh, entities, entities from fire, air, water, earth, all the way up to seven density entities who are now unifying again with the creator. All of that process is to have experiences. So these are the entities that are having the experience. Us. We came from fire and we're still fire, air, uh, water and earth. And we will continue to be now, um, as we progress in densities, light beings. Light beings because we are lighter in the densities. And that's just how we progress. That's just how you know we we planned it. So we are the entities. But the, the logos or the sub-logos, the sun here, it's not of, um, of, of the creation, it is of the entire octave, because it is the projection of the octave. So I hope that makes sense. We are the sun. We, we are all the sun, basically. You know, we're just tiny fractions of the sun experiencing itself. And the sun itself is the galaxy, and the galaxy is itself the creation. You know the whole, the whole deal. So next question. Don says, I'm going to make a statement of my understanding and if you will correct me. I intuitively see the first density being formed by an energy center that is a vortex. This vortex then causes these spinning motions that I have mentioned before of the light, vibration, which is light, which then starts to condense into the materials of the first density. Is this correct? This is a beautiful question, actually. 
the first density being formed by an energy center that is a vortex. You're gonna, I think we're gonna see some uh, flaw in Don's thinking a little bit, but this is this is pretty cool. Ross says this is correct as far as your reasoning has taken you. However, it is well to point out that the logos has the plan of all the densities of the octave in potential completion before entering the space-time continuum in the first density. Thus, the energy centers exist before they are manifest. Man, we need some really awesome visualization here for this to happen. And I again, you know, this is this is in part why I created the video that I just uh, posted talking about this because I was um, I, I was. I was meditating or reflecting on this rather, and um, I really enjoy, you know, the the visualization that I had. So, Don's question is, you know, I mean, he he's going from a very uh, narrow perspective. Not, you know, of course, no offense. It's just, you know, from a very uh, localized, rather not narrow, but localized. That sounds better. Localized perspective of saying that, you know, he sees a the first density as a vortex, you know, and from that vortex then causes spinning motions that I have mentioned, light, which starts condensing the materials of the first density. This is true. It is true because everything is a vortex. E even a photon is a vortex. So, as far as his reasoning has taken him, <laughs> Ross says. Uh, so cute. So, however, it is well to point out that the Logos has the plan of all densities. So, let me explain this part. The potential of... Did they say potential? Yeah, in potential completion. Now, I want you to see the octave express and um, as a as a prism, right? A prism of light, all densities from red to violet. Those are the densities, and I want you to create a matrix in that visualization. You can see the prism of the light being coming from white light to so the prism. Those are the seven densities, the octave, and in that octave. Put a matrix on it, like um, um, a bunch of squares or ones and zeros, whatever you want. All the potentials are there from the beginning, meaning that that matrix, which is like a piece of paper that you put on top of all these colors, right? That is the potential in which intelligent energy can follow different paths from red, which is first density, uh, orange, second density, and so on. There are different potentials, and all of them, like they say, it is well to point out that the Logos, the Sun, has plan has the plan of all the densities of the octave, okay, has the matrix created in potential completion before entering the space-time continuum in first density. So before anything is manifested in the physical universe, the Logos already created a matrix, if you will, for all the densities in which all the potentials are there. Thus, the energy centers exist before they are manifest because the energy centers exist because they're part of the matrix. In, in the matrix of, say, uh, our chakras have been here. It's just that we as entities haven't activated them in the way that we do. And this is why no matter what decision you make in your life, oh, did I do something wrong? Did I do something uh, right? Did I do whatever, you know, good or bad? It doesn't matter. You're doing something unique that nobody else will do in the universe because you are very unique in the sense that you are the only one following this specific path from the beginning of creation to the end. So no matter how you do it, and that's why Ra emphasizes, like, relax, relax, you know. <laughs> You're following the perfect path because all paths lead to the creator. So you are a perfect path. Whatever distinction you have in your path is it's just what it is. You know, this is also why you can overlap all this stuff with Zen Buddhism or Hinduism in general, where, you know, the, the, you shouldn't have, or Taoism is much more emphasizing this too, that leave things to the course of nature. Things are, there is no judgment, there is no definite truth. You know, nobody can say within the illusion that something is real. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's nonsense. But that requires a different thinking, and I know in Western society we're not used to that. But that is how it is. And, you know, here from a sophisticated standpoint, from, you know, metaphysical and esoteric knowledge, we can get the same concept, the same idea. Jesus used to say this too. I mean, 
Um, this is why I say that the law of one is it's for people who resonate with it because it's rather complex, but it's a beautiful model, you know, just like any other tradition of understanding consciousness. And in this way, we can see that all paths are are already created. It is our decision to how to traverse it. So, uh, I, I hope that makes sense. If not, leave me a comment. I love expanding on this and any questions, of course. I love to get to them. So, Don continues and says, Then, what is the simplest being that is manifested? I'm supposing it might be a single cell or something like that. And how does does it function with respect to energy centers? Um, I'm going to respond and then get to what, or follow Ra's answer, actually, and then interpret myself something. Ra says, the simplest manifest being is light, or what you have called the photon. In relationship to energy centers, it may be seen to be the center or foundation of all articulate, articulated energy fields. So, first... Uh, Don says, I, Don is going to, you know, like which entities, this is, you know, scientific views of, of reality, of course. Um, I'm supposing it may be a single cell, yes, and does it function with respect to energy centers? He wants to know, like, how energy centers are related to, um, to different entities, uh, beings, you know? So, I mean, energy centers, energy centers to, yeah, to entities. And Ross says, the simplest manifest being is light. You know, or what we call the photon. Why? Because this is the foundation of everything. Light is the foundation of the whole creation. Quantum physics knows this. You know, and it's we know everything is energy, and everything energy is light. So, in relationship to the photon being, you know, the basic particle, um, I talked about this again in this video. Um, in relationship to energy centers, it may be seen to be the center or foundation of all articulated energy fields. If it's, let's put it this way, if the photon is the simplest being, then its relationship to the energy fields are inherent in it. So that's why it's the foundation of all articulated uh, energy fields. And um, everything is light. I mean, there's, there's not much to say here other than, you know, the relationship between the photon and the energy fields or energy centers is, you know, it's it's inherent in it. So I know Don wanted to know, and you'll see how, you know, Don keeps going into um, his his reasoning because this is, you know, this, this is not what he wanted. So we'll go to that, which again, has beautiful information as always. Don says, when first density is formed, we have fire, air, earth and water. There is at some time the first movement or individuation of life into a portion of consciousness that is self-mobile. Could you describe the process of the creation of this and what type of energy center that it has? So <laughs> uh, this is where Don wanted to go, you know, sentient life, second density forms. So Ra says, the first or red ray density through, uh, though attracted towards growth, is not in the proper vibration for those conditions conducive to what you may call the spark of awareness. As the vibratory energies move from red to orange, the, the vibratory environment in such, is such that as to stimulate those chemical substances which lately had been inert to combine in such a fashion that love and light begin the function of growth. So let's put some context into this and we'll keep reading. So Ra is basically saying, you know, the first or red ray density, the first uh, density in general, is not in the proper vibration for those conditions of the spark of awareness. Awareness is that of movement and growth. That is where, you know, what we call inert inert uh, matter. Where do they say that? Um, yeah, substances. What we call inert matter is just there. You know, water is flowing. Earth is just sitting there, you know, fire is, uh, it's energy actually, you know, it's just not just fire, you know, the sun is fire, and air is just flowing too. Um, but what's happening that in, as, you know, the coal, though attracted towards growth, the beginning uh, part of the statement is, is important, though attracted towards growth, is not of the proper vibrations conducive to what we call awareness. But in that attraction to growth, they start to become um, mobile, let's say. That attraction to growth is the same one as we pull ourselves in consciousness. We see ourselves as 
beings in need of survival, then in need of identification, then in need of social cohesion, and then in terms of unconditional love. And that's how we are attracted to growth, but in a metaphysical sense. Matter is attracted to growth in the same way. So that's what starts forming. And they say, as the vibratory energies move from red to orange, these vibratory energies are referring to once the, once the planet has formed and all the matter is there, you know, all the, the first density planet is formed, let's call it, it wouldn't be properly called a harvest, but it's the first, let's call it harvest just for, uh, uh, for consistency. The transition of vibratory energies move from dead to orange, red to orange. That means that uh, that band of red crosses, the planet crosses to orange. Now the vibratory environment that the sun is, is providing to the planet is to grow, move and grow. That is where matter starts moving and growing. That's DNA. That is the beginning. And that is the missing link between the inert matter and molecules, organic molecules that can be um, replicated in the laboratory, but they don't have, I mean, if left long enough, of course, you know, they would, if they have, you know, the ability to, to grow. And I mean, there's so much, there's so much research on this too. Russians did amazing research on this, but I digress. The point is that once we get into that environment, the planet gets into that environment of growth, then matter will become alive, basically. Um, that's what they say, vibratory environment is such as to stimulate those chemical substances. Chemical substances, organic molecules, which lately had been inert, just sitting there, to combine in such a fashion that love and light begin to function of growth. So, you see, most growth or anything is attracted to light. So that is love light. <laughs> and um, it will combine, as we know, that, that is the foundation of all life, DNA. And, you know, that's that's how it goes. You know, from there, we just have the multiplicity of what we have. So let's keep going. Ross says, the supposition which you had earlier made concerning single cell entities, such as the polymorphous dinoflagellate, is correct. The mechanism is one of the attraction of upward spiraling light. There is nothing random about this or any portion of evolution. So, all right, so the supposition which uh, concerning single cell entities, yes, that's what Don wanted to get into single cell entities, but see how Ra went from, you know, um, the photon to matter to uh, basically DNA, even though they don't say it, but that's the, the combination and movement to growth. And then to single cell entities, as the polymorphos dinoflagellate, which is a tiny little uh, thing that exists still here in our planet, is correct. The mechanism is one of the attraction of upward spiraling light. That's the mechanism. The mechanism is just growing, physically first and then metaphysically. There's nothing random about this or any portion of evolution. Evolution is just a path, like I said, in the matrix, through the densities. What path does it take? That depends on, you know, the... Uh, the rules set forth by the logos, which is, you know, all those little square things or binary uh, system that we can have and code life. So um, it depends on that. And, you know, there's nothing random about it. <laughs> random evolution. Sure. Um, for our limited mind, of course. So next question, Don says, as I remember, the polymorphous dinoflagellate has an iron rather than a copper base cell. Could you comment on that? <laughs> Ross says, this information is not central. Uh, well, they, they didn't say it that way, but I like to say it. <laughs> this information is not central. The base of any metabolism, shall we say, is that which may be found in the chemical substances of the neighborhood of origin. So this is pretty simple. I mean, Don is saying like, you know, um, I think, what did they say? It's iron cell. Let's say that has an iron rather than a copper base cell. Um, I think my, my biology fails here, but I think copper copper cells are what we we have and plants too. Or I'm not sure if it's plants and we have iron base. Yeah, because we have we have iron in our blood. So yeah, there is. Um, I think the distinction here, because the dinoflagellate, uh, again, it's just a red, a, a quick read that I had, 
It's a, I don't know if it's between, it's a, it's a form of plankton, I think. So it's, it's plant, but it has like an iron base. So is it an animal? Is it a plant? And this is a question that always um, puzzles, you know, a lot of scientists like, well, we don't know if this is a plant or not, are fungi plants or are there animals that are closer to animals, but they're still in the kingdom of, you know, they look like plants. It's just trying to put things into boxes. We, we like to do that. Whereas it's a lot easier to just say, I have no idea what that is. You know, it's, it's a pretty honest, you know, thing. I mean, to get an explorer, that's cool, you know, to have diversity and know like oh look how different these things are you know and we can explore it but to have boxes and say like things need to fit these boxes and then another box just comes out and says like well here i am a platypus <laughs> and they're like what the hell where do i put you platypus so you see there's a lot of um there's a lot of thinking here in any case uh the copper base cell is i think because they're supposed to be plants but the dinoflagella is, is has an iron, which is like animals. So Ross says, first of all, is like, listen, man, this is not really important, uh, but the base of any metabolism will be, you know, what it finds in its, in its environment. I mean, if you, we have a saying in English, in, in English, in Spanish, where they say, you know, uh, if from the sky you get lemons, then learn to make lemonade, you know, like you use whatever it's given to you. And, you know, in terms of the environment, you use whatever's in the environment, you know, so we ad adapt to that. So it's not central. All right. So Don is going to continue on this and say, I was just commenting on this because this indicates that it has the motion of our animal life with copper-based cells. Oh, there you go. Yet it has the iron-based cell of plant life indicating a transition. I think that's reversed. Copper-based cell, animal life, maybe not indicating a transition from possibly plant to animal life. Am I wrong? My memory's a little fussy on this. Um, so maybe I got it wrong, reversed. So Ra says, it is not that you're incorrect, but that no conclusions should be drawn from such information. Mm -hmm. There are several different types of bases for conscious entities, not only upon this planetary sphere, but to a much greater extent in the forms found in planetary spheres of other sublogoi. The chemical vehicle is that which most conveniently houses the consciousness. The functioning of consciousness is the item of interest rather than the chemical makeup of a physical vehicle. Oh my God, this is so perfect. Like this is, again, you know, nothing against in like Rod, this is why I resonate so much with, uh, with the law of one. You see, we, get, we can get fixated in the, um, in the complexity of things and boxes. You know, are you an animal or are you a human? Are you a monkey or are you a turtle? Uh, do you come from plants? Do you feel more associated with this? I mean, all of this stuff is naturally something that we are, um, we're interested in and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that we put so much energy and emphasis to all of this stuff, ask our Western society who is obsessed with boxes, like I said, science, um, empirical uh, evidence, not subjective. And Ra is saying like, first of all, and I love how they say it, you know, the, there are the several different types of vehicles, basically, you know, basis for consciousness entities. Consciousness will inhabit whatever, whatever there is air, water, a combination of the two or the four or the three, it doesn't matter. Consciousness is everywhere. And where it decides to, again, you know, this, and that's why they say it's beautiful, but a much greater extent, not, all, not only in this planet that consciousness is going to inhabit, you know, whatever it finds in terms of chemical substances, but also um, in other planetary spheres of other sublogoi, meaning that every other planet like we explore, they create their own type of environment. You know, they want more of whatever. Say Sirius, we just explored that Sirius had a third density um, beings that came out from plants. So how cool that might be, you know, water planets, it's just all water or mostly earth or all earth and just rivers and stuff. Who knows what kind of animals and plants or beings are, are there, you know, 
it's consciousness in general. It doesn't matter because wherever you see, you just see consciousness. You see yourself reflected in that. And that's why the universe is so beautiful. Um, this also scratches an itch that I've had, you know, all my life, of course, as a science boy, thinking about the possibility, saying, you know, well, if there is, because, you know, science is all grim and dark and saying, like, we don't know if there is any more life in other planets. Uh, we may be the only one in the whole universe. <laughs> ah, it's so cute. We may be the only ones. The whole universe, you know, this whole universe, we're the first ones to open our eyes because we can't prove it. I mean, never mind that it's, it's almost like, oh my God, it's so limited. It's It really is. Um, and I, I'm not bashing anybody, you know, of course. It's just the views are so limiting. And it, actually, it's a beautiful thing to have that limited view. It's just, <laughs> it's awesome because once you break out of that, you are in such a paradise, cosmic paradise. Sounds like a good name for a song, a techno song. Uh, <laughs> cosmic paradise. So, it scratches my itch from wanting to know if there are, if there is life in other planets, are there humans? Are they humans or are they animals or how are they? Well, the answer is infinite, you know, all types of beings. But in any case, I, I get sidetracked here. Ross says the chemical vehicle is that which most conveniently houses consciousness. So yeah, whatever is convenient for the in the environment for consciousness to inhabit it, it will do it. The function of consciousness is the item of interest rather than the chemical makeup of a physical vehicle. We shouldn't care so much about the details and nuances about the chemical vehicles of every single life organism until at least we know ourselves, consciousness. Do we know about consciousness? Um, I recently had an encounter which um, just made me realize how how blind I was in the past uh, in terms of consciousness. Then I won't get into that. That's um, that's probably not relevant. So let's keep going. But we can get really lost in science. We can get really lost there, and it becomes our religion. Let me just say this. Coming from an anecdotal uh, or anecdotal perspective, remembering who I was or what I was, you can get science as a religion because once you resign or um, completely um, obviate spirituality, you have a need for spiritual. Spirituality is something that's going to get inside of you no matter what, and you're going to get attributed to something. Um, it's like saying, you know, if you think there is a God, that's a concept. If you think there is no God, that's a concept too. So, you know, in the same way when you say like, I follow no spirituality, no religion, but you have to fill those voids as to who am I? What is this place? And you're going to fill it up with science. So science becomes your religion or your spirituality, depending on how you see it. And that's the kind of encounter I had recently with somebody. Uh, on the internet, which was just a reminder of how I used to think, you know, and how they believe and they feel affected, you know, if you challenge anything about their religion, science religion, which is sad, and I know it's sad because I came from there. So, all right, last question I'm going to cover today, because the following one is going to be so interesting, and we're getting very close on the time here. Don says, I didn't mean to waste time with that question. Oh, don't you love Don? Let's give them all a hug. Let's all hug Don here. But you just happened to mention that particular single cell. Does this polymorphous dinoflagellate then have an orange energy center? And Ross says this is correct. And I'll only, only give you a little bit of details on this because Don is asking, you know, this is going to go into the next question, which is kind of long. And um, it has so much content that I want to do it in part two of this session. But um, Don is asking about the uh, the orange center, if it has an orange center, and it's true, it does. We'll get into that. Um, it has all energy centers, actually. It traverses all energy centers, but it doesn't have them all activated, and that's the key thing. Animals don't have those activated, at least not. Some others are in potential activation, depending on where they are in their realization of self, but let's not get into that. So that's it. That's all I got for this first part. Uh, like I said, the next part, we're going to go into the following question, question number 14. 
and that's going to do uh, it's gonna have to do with a lot of our societal complex our our society in general and how our consciousness is it's kind of um, it's um, it's backwards backwards literally <laughs> we'll, we'll see why you know you let, you'll wait next week we'll get into that so conclusions we explored a couple of things that are uh, really important and for practical sense I want to talk about the creation itself and consciousness those are the two things that are really important to me first we are if you're here you're definitely interested in these little things about the creation from the metaphysical point of view and also from the physical because the law of one seems to attract those who are science oriented and who have an itch for a metaphysical understanding or even you know reverse too people who have a very strong metaphysical formation and they love to see the marriage with the with the physical universe that we know and our modern science uh, tries to understand so what do we have we have a creation that is set to be to have been created already the potential is there it's not like this is the divine plan the divine matrix <laughs> this is the divine matrix all potentials are there from the beginning before first density the matrix has been created and it's not to say like oh my life is see this is the beauty of free will seen from this perspective take a look at this people may say like oh well you know if my free will is not um, because a lot of people get into free will and they say well you know it's not like I have free will to do whatever I want is free will of decision-making and that's boring and so on but they're seeing everything backwards because your free will being of decision changes your reality from perception rather than from the physical you're not working from the outside in you're working from the inside out so free will as it is explained literally what it is which is a decision-making in this path you can see that as perception is changed your path in the matrix is changed so say you decide you know you say like oh i lost my life you know i don't know i i've spent 25 master cycles in third density trying to polarize and i finally polarized towards the negative and i went to fourth density and fifth density and then i realized that i was positive so i went back to fourth density it doesn't matter what path you take within the matrix you're gonna end up at the end in the infinite creator and of course I'm, I'm drawing like a very chaotic and just out of my mind you know type of ex, uh, of example here <laughs> going 25 master cycles oh my god it's a lot I hope nobody has gone through that or if not who cares you know why not infinite time so <laughs> I'm so stupid so um, so it doesn't matter you know what matters is your perception and your free will decides what type of perception you have so this is why you know why at, while everything is there there is no like cosmic plan oh I have everything written down for me too before I came into this incarnation no we we got rid of that when we talked about catalyst programming we know that it's not like we come here and we're like subservience to the to the uh, to the um, to the oversoul what's the other word oh my god uh, the the higher self <laughs> we're not subservient to it in fact we wish you know we were because our higher self is always giving us the right information which is man we just you know we have free will right and all the government or my boyfriend or you know my neighbor or my car broke down or my I'm not the rock star or whatever it is you know that we deviate from our higher self just uh, face palming in any case um, this is a way to relax you know this is a, a good information to relax and say okay you know everything is fine no matter what I do um, it's really conscious oh and the other part is conscious of course we are that portion of consciousness if we want to see more of the creation rather it's not like you know we want the direct path to enlightenment um, no why care about enlightenment enlightenment is just fun because the more you know the more you know you enjoy this life so it's, it's not needed you know you don't need to provide enlightenment to anybody much less to yourself unless you really dig it you know if you dig it then you know the information is there but in any case you know that's um that's consciousness we are that portion of consciousness exploring itself 
And the end product is just being one with the creation. It's that simple. It's knowing who we are. So with that, I come to the end of this first part, session 41. Like I said, session uh, part two of session 41 is going to cover uh, that part of our societal structure, our consciousness again, and more about other stuff. Fasting, I think it's also involved there and some other questions, random stuff. So thank you so much for watching this video. As always, uh, I appreciate you leaving any comments, like, share it, subscribe, you know, the whole deal to make the channel grow even more for those people who are interested, of course, and who really dig this Law of One material. So with that, again, thank you. Love you. See you next time.